Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong and healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 260. So I am recording this on September 28th, and this will go live on Monday, October 2nd, 2023. And I'm super excited because today is my dad's birthday. Yay, dad. And tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 59 years old, not yet 60. And I feel, I would say like 35-ish. I mean, I honestly, truly can say in my body, in my mind, in my heart, I feel like I'm in my late 30s. So age is just a number, has nothing to do with how you feel. And um, I'm just like super excited for my birthday. I don't have anything really big planned other than I'm going to go up to Newburyport, Massachusetts, which is one of my most favorite places. Um, and I have a couple favorite places, but I would say that is right up there um, between when I go to um, vacation in St. Martin, I love that. I love the vineyard, although I haven't been there in forever. I love Newburyport and I love Crane uh, Crane's Beach in Ipswich, which is sort of a neighbor of Newburyport, if you're familiar. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to go to Newburyport and just kind of walk around. I'm going to go see my girlfriend at her coffee shop, Olives, shout out to Deborah, and um, and just not work at all, just not do anything, just spend the whole day just kind of enjoying things I like to do. Um, ben is feeling badly because if you've been listening for a while, you know that he um, got cancer over the summer, esophageal cancer. So he is not eating, he is not drinking, uh, he's post-treatment, but he is still in this very long recuperative phase from chemo and radiation. And he was just struggling with like, I can't take you out to eat, but you know, what are we going to do to celebrate? He's still not feeling all that great. So um, I was like, Hey, don't worry about it. Right. Like it's not a big deal. Um, and he gave me a gift certificate today actually for this really nice salon. So I'm going to go and get my hair colored. And so that was really sweet. So I, I don't know, I'm just feeling super, super grateful on uh, this day before my birthday. And of course, because it's my dad's birthday, I feel just a lot of happiness today. I'm just so fortunate. Both my parents are alive and I'm just still, they're in their mid eighties and they're in good health and uh, just feeling a lot of gratitude. So that's just a little starting thing, starting point, starting message for you. The other thing I wanted to share is this week in particular, I've been a content making machine. I have been inspired by so many themes that have been brought to me uh, via conversations I've had with teachers that I have just 
just created a whole bunch of stuff. And I want to tell you about it so that you can take advantage of these resources. So the first thing I did was um, I created a short video that basically creates, I literally built a sequence for you. And I did it with a very specific intention in mind to show you how easy it can be to build a sequence and to share with you my sequence building format. In the past, I have shared, and you might even have it, my sequence building template, my sequence building video, but this literally shows you the poses. So you could swipe this and use it for your own. Um, you know, there's not a lot of rocket science in this, I don't think. And in fact, because my original training was with Baron Baptiste, there is, if you are familiar with that flow, there is chunks of that in this, but the difference is that I give you a lot more freedom. I mean, Baron's flow, as well as other, um, teachers who have sort of signature flows, um, they are pretty particular about what goes in what order in terms of the architecture. I, for a lot of reasons, don't adhere to that model. However, I absolutely adhere to the model of find a sequence that you can teach and stick with it for at least three to four months or even longer. So you just get really good at teaching it. And so this video will show you how to create a yoga sequence easily. So you can uh, send me a DM on Instagram. Tell me you want that. The other thing is please go on my Instagram and look at the lives that I did this week. I've introduced a whiteboard so I can draw out a visual to go along with the lesson that I'm teaching. And I taught two really powerful, I think they're powerful, Re, uh, lives. So this is not in the reels tab. It's in the lives tab. If you have any trouble finding them, just let me know. So there's those two videos there. And then the last thing that I really want you to get is I recently taught a wellness event online. That was a couple of different components. There was a meditation, there was a yoga practice. I taught a short anatomy lesson, and then we ended with yoga nidra. And I chunked out the anatomy lesson part, which was about shoulder and hip anatomy, I believe. And I created a short video using just that piece of the um, workshop. And so that is something you can get as well. So you can look on my IG, on my Instagram lives and have immediate access to those. You can DM me on Instagram. Tell me you listened to episode 260 of the podcast and you want the other two resources, and I will send them to you. Please include your email address because I'm gonna give you this stuff via email. So that's that. Today, what I wanna do is give you a way to evaluate how you're doing as a teacher on a week-to-week -week basis. This is really, really important and something that I don't know that anybody's really talking about, but I, for over 10 years, uh, have been doing this. And if you really want to grow as a teacher, it is so important that you stay on top of how things are going from, I want to say a data-driven way, but I don't want to freak you out because I think if I say that, you're going to immediately go into, oh my God, data, that sounds complicated, but it's not complicated. And if you want to get better, you really need to track this stuff. And some of it's just going to be anecdotal and some of it's going to be data-driven. So I'll just dive right into 
the pieces and then you can decide, you know, it could literally be, you just go on by a nice journal and you just sit down on Sunday and you do five minutes of journaling with these parameters in mind. That's it. If you want to get fancy, make a spreadsheet. Great. Do something on your iPad. Great. But um, it does not have to be complicated, but it needs to happen unless you want to just be mediocre. And I'm not talking mediocre or good or excellent in anybody else's eyes. I'm talking in your eyes, in your eyes. I want you to feel like you are at the leading edge of your abilities. And I want you to fill out a bunch of other things as well. And we'll get into that when I show you the criteria. Okay. So if you want to grab a pen and paper, now's the time. If you can't, maybe come back and listen to this episode again and jot these things down because this is all audio, right? We're in the audio mo mode because it's a podcast. So um, there's no handout to go with this. So if you can jot down these things as I share them, go ahead and do that and we'll get going. So things to evaluate every week. So number one, how many classes did you teach? And this goes for any kind of class, okay? could be you're teaching your friends, you're in your basement with, you know, kids from the neighborhood, you went to the nursing home, you know, obviously studio classes, you went to schools, you're teaching your, your son's preschool is having you come in and teach the teachers there, whatever it is, paid or unpaid, uh, you're teaching online, whatever it is, you're going to log those classes. And the other thing is, um, if you're listening to this and you are not in teacher training and you are a registered yoga teacher with Yoga Alliance, every class you teach, go on to the Yoga Alliance website and log it in your profile under teaching hours. If you haven't been doing that, <laughs> you're missing out on logging all these hours of teaching. It's a pain in the butt to have to retrospectively enter. So I wouldn't even sort of bother to do that, but starting now, go on to the Yoga Alliance website and log your teaching hours. Uh, so on a weekly basis, how many classes did you teach? That's number one. Now, the other thing I'll say in regards to this is I really believe you should have at a minimum an Excel spreadsheet where you track all the classes you teach. And you should be tracking a whole bunch of other things about the class, the date, where it was, the time, number of students, the revenue you brought in, and any notes, you can just have a column for that. So that is definitely, how many classes did you teach that week? The next thing is, how much revenue did you make? And you can always identify the ones that are volunteer or pro bono or community classes where you're not getting paid. Track them. Um, and then of course, the ones where you are getting paid, track what you're getting paid because even if you, well, because number one, you want to be able to say at the end of the year, but definitely before that, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, on a yearly basis, you want to see your revenue. Um, and then there might even be tax implications. If you are making money uh, as a yoga teacher and filing a Schedule C because you are claiming it as a business, you definitely want to track your revenue. You'll need to do that. But even if you're not doing that, and even if you're teaching on the side and you're not uh, considering it a business venture, a side gig, um, you should still track your revenue. You want to be able to track that. That is an objective measurement related to your teaching. Um, I don't want to forget to bring this up. There's a whole conversation I had with a teacher this week via email that 
oh my goodness, the beliefs were just raging in this woman's email. And I so wanted to reach through the screen and just like shake her and be like, come on, there are so many beliefs here that are holding you back. And it had to do with teaching quote unquote on the side. So remind me, I'm going to actually make a note here on the side to bring that up because I, I don't want you to fall into this trap. So how many classes, how much revenue? The next thing is this one is really important. So listen close. How much time did you prepare? How much time are you spending prepping? So I'm suggesting you do this weekly. So you'll just be at the end of your week. So now it's fresh in your mind. How much time did you spend prepping this week? And prepping includes Googling stuff, reading stuff, writing out your sequence, um, practicing your sequence. That's all in preparation. When you look at the Instagram live I just posted today, you're going to see on the whiteboard, I draw it a schematic. You know, this was your life before teaching. And this is maybe your life now where the time you're spending teaching and prepping is running into all this other stuff that you used to have time to do that now you don't because you're spending a lot of time prepping for teaching. So it's Sunday night. Part of your data tracking is how much time did you spend prepping? The next thing is how much travel time. This is important. You know, I never took a job. I mean, I rarely took a job that I had to drive to. Now I live in Boston, so it was easy for me to find teaching opportunities that I could walk to. There were times I drove, but it was never more than maybe 10, 15 minutes. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's part of your evaluation. How much time did you spend getting to class on a particular week? You know, if you had a week where there's a new opportunity you just took on, but it takes you two hours round trip and you're getting paid 50 bucks, I don't know. Might make sense, but it would definitely be the kind of thing you'd want to evaluate. And then the last thing from, from this section is expenses. What kind of expenses did you incur teaching? You know, that, that private client you have where you have to park on a street with, you know, meters or you got a parking ticket or that corporate class where you need to park in a corporate garage and it's 35 bucks. Like when you compare that to getting paid $60, all of a sudden your net is 30, 35 bucks and it took three hours out of your day. That's $10 an hour, my friend. You are worth way more than that, right? But again, if you don't look at things through this lens, which most yoga teachers do not, you are missing out on opportunities to grow and build something that is rewarding for you in lots of different ways. Right now, we're looking at it through the lens of revenue, through the lens of time, time management. That's not the only lens we can look at it through. So please, if you're listening to this and you're going, oh my God, I'm just teaching on the side. I don't need to track any of this stuff. That is wrong. I don't want to say that's wrong. You think whatever you want. That is a very closed-minded way of looking at it. Okay. So it doesn't matter to me how many classes you're teaching. 
And it do, this does not matter with respect to if it's a full-time thing, if you want to teach full-time, if it's part-time, if you've got one class, if you've got 10 classes. Obviously, if you're teaching one class a week, this is going to take you five minutes to do. But if you're teaching a bunch of classes, you're going to have a little more time to do this. But I promise you, this is time well spent. Okay, moving on. The next piece of the evaluation, the weekly evaluation, is more qualitative. The things we just went over are quantitative. This is now in the qualitative zone. So this is stuff like, how much effort did you have to spend this week? And this is going to be the kind of thing where you could rate it ABC or high, medium, low. And this is definitely an anecdotal thing. This is where you're just going to ask yourself, okay, it's Sunday night. I taught my five classes this week. How much effort did I feel like that took? I could even rate it on a scale of one to 10. You're going to intuitively know the answer to this question, right? But this is an important sign for you to track so that you can stay ahead of burnout and you can stay ahead of classes on your schedule where the effort is not worth it for you or to explore why is it so much effort? So that's the first parameter. The next parameter is how do you feel? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling on top of things. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling stressed. The last handful of teachers who enrolled in my program are all very stressed, very anxious and nervous. And this is not uncommon. And it shows me that teachers are not checking in with themselves from the perspective of A, how do I feel? And B, what can I do about it? Now, these teachers that I'm referring to, they enrolled in my program. So you can be damn sure they did something proactive about it. They examined where they were at. We got out a phone call. They heard the opportunity to work with me one-on-one -on -one, and they said, yes, that is taking responsibility for how you feel and doing something to resolve it. And that's part of how I work with teachers around the whole feeling mindset piece. Um, but if you're out there and you're doing this assessment of yourself on a weekly basis and these, you know, you ask yourself the question of how do you feel? And there are red flags coming up and you just say to yourself, well, it's going to get better over time. It probably won't, right? We can't, this is that Einstein saying, we can't solve a problem at the level of thinking that created it. You know, another thing that goes along with that, that I'm just going to add is we can't solve a problem if we don't take action. If we just sit and hope it's going to get better, it usually does not. So effort, feeling. Next thing is your stress level. You know, I talk to teachers who come home from teaching and they, you know, offload on their partner about, you know, the challenges they're having with teaching or sit in their car and cry or lay in bed at night and worry about the class they taught earlier that day. You know, what is your stress level? And it could be stress around some of those other things, stress around getting to class, stress around um, being in compliance with the requirements that your studio you're teaching at requires you to do, having stress around imposter syndrome, having stress around forgetting your sequence, you know, whatever it is, but ask yourself the question, what was my stress level this week? Again, you can use a scale of one to 10 or ABC, whatever rating system is easy for you. And then the last thing is, what was your happiness level? And I'm not gonna, I mean, this is gonna be intuitive, right? Like I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm excited by what I'm doing. I love my students. I love my classes. I love the studios I teach at. I love being of service. 
blah, 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 right? So this is where you stop and ask yourself, how happy am I doing what I'm doing as a teacher? You know, and this is where we can kind of play with the parameters. So if you're really happy with how things are going, but the effort feels really heavy, that's something to tweak on the effort side. But if you get to the end of the week and you're like, oh, really? No effort. I feel great. I got no stress and I'm super happy. Well, that's great. You know, that might change from week to week, but that week, that's a really good report card. And then the last piece, right? So the first piece was the qualitative, I'm sorry, quantitative stuff. The second piece is the qualitative stuff, metrics. And then the last piece falls under the topic of development. So this is where we look at things at workshops. Would you like to teach any workshops? What are your efforts to create opportunities to teach workshops? New classes. Do you want to add classes to your schedule? What work are you doing to add new classes to your schedule? Do you know how to do that? Creating new opportunities to teach. Another parameter is updated mission. Do you have a mission statement? Do you know what your mission is? If mission sounds too lofty, just say purpose, intention. What are you doing? <laughs> right? It can be as simple as that. What are you doing? If you meet somebody on the street and they say, oh, you're a yoga teacher. Well, what do you do? Like, do you have something to say that speaks to what you do in a way that connects you to a purpose? Because I promise you, the more you know what that is, the more your happiness level will go up, your stress level will go down because you will feel connected when you're in the doing to that bigger mission and purpose. So do you, on a weekly basis, check in with what your mission is? Do you have a mission? Do you need to update it? That sort of thing. The next thing is privates. Do you want to teach people one-on-one? -on -one? What are you doing to get more clients? What are you doing to build? a one-on-one -on -one practice. And then the last thing is training goals. You know, I could just say in general, what training do you want? But I'm going to ask you this in a different way. What results do you want that you're not getting now? And what do you want to get really good at as a teacher? Which is sort of saying the same thing in two different ways. I feel like if I ask you, what do you want to get good at? What do you want to get really good at as a teacher? That's more conversational. And I feel like it's sort of easier for you to answer if I just like reached out to you right now, called you on the phone and said, hey, what do you want to get really good at as a teacher? You might say, oh, I want to be able to share my cues without even having to think about what I'm saying. I want to be able to build a sequence super fast. I want to be able to just walk into the room and teach without having to unroll my mat and practice with them. I want to be able to open my computer and teach an online class and not have to worry at all about you know, what people think of me, whatever it is, you know, what do you want to get really good at? And that's a great place to begin to answer the question of then what training should I enroll in? Uh, because if we do it the reverse, if we say, oh, I have 200 hours, I want to get 300 hours. I have 300 hours. I want to get 500 hours. That's just dialing for hours. That's not results driven. And that's why so many teachers end up enrolling in these hours-based training and spending money and time and they don't get the results they want because they never ask themselves, what result do I want and what training is going to help me get that result? And that's no hate on hours-based programs. It's just that be an educated consumer is all I'm saying. Have agency over your life as a teacher. Look at what results you want and let that 
drive your decision instead of the industry driving your decision by leading you to believe that you need all these hours when you don't. You don't need all these hours. Like no one out there in the world is going to ask you when you go in to teach your class, how many hours do you have? They're not going to ask you. They don't even know that about that construct. That's a construct that the yoga industry has created. So no consumer of yoga is going to ask you any of that. Now, having said that, hours suggest that you've been in training for a certain number of hours, which implies or suggests that you've learned a certain number of things, that you have a certain level of knowledge, that you have a certain skill set. All of that is a big assumption because I certainly know teachers that have many, many hours of training enroll in my program, and they come to me lacking basic skills in cueing, sequencing, and understanding anatomy. So that's why I say don't equate hours with knowledge and don't equate knowledge with skills. Um, and, you know, again, this is all sort of stuff that might sound really different because I am a different teacher. I do not share a lot of the stuff that you're probably hearing. And it's not to be contrary and it's not to be controversial. It's just to be straight with you and to help you get to where you want to be fast, easy, and in a fun way and in an easy way and in a results-driven way. And that's always my intention. So I just want to end, you know, I, I have this note in front of me that I asked you to remind me, like, don't let me forget. I wanted to tell you this one story. And it relates a little bit to what we were talking about earlier when I was saying, oh, if you're hearing me talk about the quantitative stuff and you're thinking, oh, I don't need to track any of this. I'm only teaching once a week. It reminded me in the moment of a teacher I spoke to this week and she had emailed me asking me for a resource uh, after I'd reached out to her and offered it. And I wrote her back. I sent her the resource and I asked her, uh, hey, are you teaching? Are you in teacher training or or are you uh, teaching classes? And she wrote me back and she said something like, I'm only teaching once a week. So I really shoot. Now I can't remember exactly. It was something like I'm only teaching once a week. So I don't really think I need to something, something. And the gist of it was basically, I think she, I think. I, I know what it was. I think because I was corresponding with her via email, I think she was getting the impression that I was trying to sell her something when I wasn't. I was just trying to make conversation and find out more about her so I could see how I could help her. And I have a lot of times I do that because I have a lot of free stuff. I am a content machine. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff I ask is because I want to see where you're at and if I have something that I can give you to help you, I'm going to do that. And it costs you nothing. But she sort of, I could feel in her response, she was like getting the ick, like, oh, she's trying to sell me something. And so she said something in the email back to me, like, um, oh, I'm only teaching once a week and I don't, I don't really need anything. And I'm not really, you know, I'm not really, doesn't really mean much because I'm only teaching once a week. And I wrote her back and I said, what do you mean you're only teaching once a week? You're teaching once a week. That is awesome. And she wrote me back again and she said, yeah, but it's not really like a real thing. Like it's just on the side. And so this is the thing. 
you know, number one, how about give yourself some credit, right? You're teaching, like you're out there, you're being of service. So don't say something in a way that's downplaying what you're doing. And I'm maybe not speaking to you because maybe this is not something you would do, but maybe I'm sort of trying to catch you for that opportunity in your life when you might be inclined to downplay the fact that you're teaching any number of classes. Like anybody that puts themselves out in the arena to teach yoga is doing great work. And I don't care if you're getting paid, not paid, teaching. I don't care where you're doing it. You are showing up for other people. So make no mistake about it. You're doing great work and it's not volume related. So that's number one. Number two, the other sense I was getting in this email is that she was basically saying, and I think she actually did literally say something along the lines of, well, I'm not, I have no intention of teaching full time. And so that's another belief. If I'm not teaching full time, it's not real teaching, or it doesn't really mean anything, or it's not really serious, or I don't really need to worry about it or invest in it, or I'm not really. And all of that is belief, 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 the beliefs that hold us back from growing, from evolving, from being the best we can be. And again, when you put a value on what you're doing because you perceive it's not as good as some other thing you have in your head. Oh, that, like, I can remember when I came back from my very first teacher training, which way back in the day, 2002, I got in a plane, I flew to Mexico, I was there for a week. You know, it was a full immersive experience. And we came back and one of the teachers that was, partnered with Baron doing this training. Like she was one of the assistants. We were on the same flight coming home and we were waiting in the terminal for the connecting flight. And she had her day timer opened up and I could see all the stuff that she had on her calendar, like teaching related. And I was thinking to myself, cause I was working corporate, my corporate career at the time. This is what I want. Like I was looking at her. We had come off of this week of teacher training and I was so sure at that point I was going to quit my job, go into teaching full time. It was just absolutely clear that was going to happen for me. And I was looking at her and looking at her planner. She had open, we were doing some stuff in the airport while we were waiting for the plane. And, um, and so in my mind, you know, I wasn't downplaying my own position at that point, but I could see that what she was doing was something I aspired to be doing. And I knew she was doing it full-time and I didn't really know much about her. Had she left a job job to go teach full-time? I didn't know any of that. But the reason I bring this up is because it allows us to see that there are lots of different ways we can show up as teachers. And there is no qualitative like comparison that we should be doing between people like me who don't have another job and teaching is like my whole focus and the past me where I had a full-time job and I taught on the side or the past me where I had a full-time job and I had a pretty busy, you know, teaching career going as well. So, I mean, there is no, you know, there were times when I just taught one class and had a full-time job. So all of it is in service. All of it is in the arena. All of it is being a teacher and all of it 
can can be elevated to the level of care and 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 quality and motivation and all of that, whether it's one class a week you're teaching or a hundred, whether it's your full-time gig or a part-time gig, you know, whether you're a mom with kids or, or a single, you know, none of that matters. All that matters is what do you want to do? What's your mission and purpose? And are you doing it? And if you're not doing it in the way you want to do it, feeling the way you want to feel, bringing the money in that you want to bring in, making the impact that you want to make, well, then what do you need so that you can have all of that? Because the clearer you are about that, the better position you will be to make it happen. And that's where I come in because my role is to help you make that dream come true, help you make that vision a reality. If it matches with how I help yoga teachers, right? And I can say nine times out of 10, when a teacher comes to me and describes their vision, I can help them get there. I I can't really imagine a time a teacher has described something that's been out of my wheelhouse in terms of something I've already done or something I have expertise in whether it's marketing, branding, building building a yoga business, opening a studio, closing a studio, starting a private practice, building workshops, working in schools, you know, and then all the stuff that's in my immediate wheelhouse of the program, the cueing, the sequencing, the anatomy, all of it. So this is where I can come in and help you make that vision a reality but it's never going to happen if you keep talking yourself out of it based on some belief. Beliefs are there to protect the ego from going out and taking a chance. That's why they're there. They're functions of the ego that live within us that say, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? They're not there. It's that part of you is not there to push you. That's more your intuition. When you're pro when you might be listening to this right now and thinking, holy shit, she's right. <laughs> I have a dream that I want to come true. And I'm not believing it can happen. So it can. Thank you so much for listening. Send me a DM. Use the word vision. If this speaks to you and we'll set up a call, I'll see if you're a yoga teacher, I can help. See you on the next episode. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, and I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all the prep time you most likely are doing, getting ready for class, drop practicing with class, and instead do what I call the walk and talk, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, just DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, and I'll tell you how I can help you.